And there we go. So this morning, my lesson's basically mostly out of Nehemiah, not completely. But for those of you that know me well, a lot of you do, know that I really like Nehemiah. Um, you hear me talk about it all the time. Um, and some of the reasons for that, you, I don't know if you can see this, my picture up there, it says repair, rebuild, reinforce. Okay? But I want you to kind of get a, I want to get us started in the right frame of mind. I want you to think about the history of God's people, the Jews. Right? Think through their history just a minute. And think, when would you have enjoyed more? What period of time would you have been able to experience um, the idea of unity, faithfulness, the feeling of community with other people of God, right? And the idea of humility, working together in the kingdom. Think about their history and think, when, when would you think that all of those pieces were best put together for their people? Like, one of the times that I think we would automatically think of is the time of Joshua, when it said basically the people were, you know, faithful and obedient and, you know, they were doing those things right. But, you know, those people endured, uh, you know, a good bit. You know, they were the kids of the folks from uh, the wilderness. Um, uh, they were the folks that uh, showed up to take over the land, that fought those fights. Um, you know, but that would have been a great time, right? But, you know, we're talking about this return from captivity, the rebuilding of the temple. Um, they had endured hard times, a lot of these people, right? They had been a part of the captivity. Um, it wasn't a time of a lot of miracles or anything like that. Uh, you know, that would have been, I guess just prior to this, would have been Elijah and Elisha, right? That would have been maybe the previous generation or two that would have seen those things. But, how, you know, who would have wanted to live then and been an ordinary citizen uh, enduring what was going on at those times, you know, would there have been, you know, a sense of community, faithfulness, humility, uh, you know, that unity that I think we see in Nehemiah. And I want us to think about uh, what are the different elements that we see from those people at this time and what can we learn from them, right? What can we get? when we do kind of a study or a look at what they did. Because don't we want to do, what? don't we want to have humility, unity, a sense of community as believers, some of the things that they enjoyed there? Uh, I'm not really going to talk about this chapter in Nehemiah, but you all know that one of my favorite chapters is chapter 9, where they get together and they have the reading of the law, and they have this, you know, what was it, a fourth of the day, where they're confessing their sins, uh, they're, um, you know, they're working on this idea of blamelessness together, right? Uh, repentance, restoration. 
when would have been a time when it would have been more encouraging as one of the people of God to be alive in that with these Jews. So I want us to kind of, I want to put us kind of in that frame of mind a little bit before we start and be thinking about those things as we start to kind of go through it. This is just a picture that I came across, you know, that, that would have that's a representation of <laughs> Jerusalem there at the time of Nehemiah. But what we want to notice is that basically everybody has something to do. So let's read, let's read. I'm going to be in Nehemiah chapter 3 starting in verse 2. Next to him the men of Jericho built, and next to them Zachur the son of Imri built. Now the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They led its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. So these are some of the things that I kind of want us to look, look at these questions, right? Do all of God's people today have work to do, right? We know that we all have a job to do. Is it all the same job? Do we all have the same job? No. What kinds of work do we have to do as a community, as a, as a group of believers, right? What kinds of work have we been given to do? Alright, what's the foundation of this work? And does the foundation of the work impact our outcomes? Right? So these are, the, these are the kind of the thoughts that I want us to have in our minds as we go through this. So this is part of it uh, when we think about interesting times or or times where uh, people are together in something. I, I kind of think about, uh, I'm sure a lot of y'all have seen that band of brothers uh, stuff, you know, the World War II, the guys that fought together in the bunkers, you know, and how they bonded together, and, you know, they had these lifelong bonds because of their difficulty. You know, obviously... Significant persecution from the outside might be one way to think about the way they experienced uh, that portion of their lives together. Uh, basically, we know when the when the going gets tough, the tough, what do they do? They get going, right? And what are the benefits of that? You know, that's kind of what we want to think about. What are the outcomes there? So, Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, it came about... When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Well... Verse 6, so we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem, 
and to cause a disturbance in it. So have we got a little bit of external persecution going on here? They know they've got a job to do. We know what the foundation of the job was, where the job came from, right? Um, so where did their determination come from? Was there an end motive? Was there an end goal? Um, and for the people had a mind to work, right? And I want you to think about what some of these emphasized thoughts are and how they relate to us today and what those things do uh, within a group of people. Um, who's ever been a part of a group? I, and I know the answer for some of you. I'm going to look straight at Evan. But who's ever been a part of a group project at school or somewhere, right? There's a group project. We've got a common goal. We've got whatever going on there. And uh, when the people have a mind to work, is that when it works the best? Does it always work like that? I see the, I see the head shaking. We know it doesn't work like that all the time. But when it does, what happens? What's the dynamic with the group? It's good, isn't it? It's good. We're no different here with us, right? So we've got this external persecution. Nevertheless, verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God, and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. And going back a couple, another chapter, going back to where we were a minute ago, and next unto them the Tekawites repaired, but their nobles put, put not their necks to the work of the Lord. All right, so have we got some external persecution and maybe we got some folks in our group that ain't working? We got some of that going on. Is that discouraging? All right, but does the work have to go on, Evan? Yes, the work has to go on for us to finish the work, right? And, and what does our attitude need to be about that? Think about these things. <clears throat> Opposition without and laziness within, nevertheless. The work was going on, wasn't it? The work was going on. Nevertheless. Both of these things, in an individual or group setting, has anybody ever seen either one or both of these things stop work or stifle progress or, worse than that, uh, destroy positive attitudes? Does it, what does it do for unity? So, where... Does that attitude for unity, how does it endure in the face of those things? With a look toward the end of the work, maybe with some respect for the foundation of the work, where the work came from, who's given the work. Defense and work without fear. We've had a lot of lessons uh, probably in the last year about fear, right? Um, let's look at their attitude. Let's see where they were. Uh, 
Verse 14, chapter 4. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Let me ask you something. In a group like this, in a local congregation, the idea of fight for your brethren, what does that mean? Defend them? Support them? Right? Has anybody ever been a part of a group? I already know the answer to this. Has anybody ever been a part of a group where there was somebody who was not building up the folks on their team? Undermining. I know the answer, right? But do you have something to fight for? And do you remember what that is? Did they know? What was keeping these folks motivated? Verse 17. They which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Do y'all get a mental image of what this work looked like? We're doing this work. We're doing this work no matter what comes here, right? In their minds, who was going to stop the work that they had to do? Evan said something about this in the first hour. Look at COVID. Did COVID stop the work of the church anywhere that you know of? Right? Was that fear? What was that? Right? Oh, uh, Are we immune to being discouraged, being afraid? We're, we're obviously not, right? We're obviously not. But where, do, where does that motivation come from? You know, what does it look like when you've got your sword on and you've got your work, you know, you've got the work to do? What's the sword of a Christian today? Right? The Bible. Sword's the Word of God. Right? It's the truth. How often do you pull it out to defend that, to defend your brethren, to, de- to defend the church, to defend... Uh, God's purpose, God's plan to defend Jesus, to talk about your Creator, right? <clears throat> but this is this is these folks. These are the same folks that you read about in Nehemiah chapter nine. That this is these folks. When does reading the law cause great gladness? When does that happen? So Nehemiah 8, verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. 
Then on the second day, the heads of the father's households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. We've discovered something that we're supposed to do. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths from themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. So they figured out what the law said, what they're supposed to do, and what they do, they went about getting it done. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity, who is this group of people? And how many were participating? The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. Gary, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? They hadn't been doing what the law prescribed for them to do as a people for a really long time. They found what it was that they were supposed to be doing. They went about doing it. And what's the next statement? The underlined one right there. And there was great rejoicing. Was there great rejoicing because they simply understood what it was they were supposed to do? Or was there great rejoicing because they all got together, all the, all the, those who had returned from the captivity? That's amazing. How often in the history of the Jews do you think they've had this level of participation in doing what the law said? This says not since the time of Joshua had they even done this. And there was great rejoicing. He read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Still doing what the book says. Alright, this is in chapter 10, which is after chapter 9. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, all those who had knowledge and understanding are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God our Lord and His ordinances and His statutes. When was the last time in the Bible we read such a statement? Was it not in the time of Joshua? I mean, I'm looking at Gary's face trying to look see if there was a time during the kings of Judah that they had kind of gotten to that point. Maybe there was a spot or two. Right, that they had done pretty good. Yeah, Josiah. I was figuring he'd tell me. All right. So, but this hadn't happened a lot, right? 
And so we just talk, talked about the condition of the church today. Where are we today? Right? But what's most important to us is where are we today as a group and what are we doing? And where are we at? And are we working? And are we doing what's prescribed? And where is the great rejoicing going to be? When we understand it, when we get together and talk about it, or when we do those things, right? When we do undertake to do that work together. And that we will not give our daughters to the people of the land or take their daughters for our sons. As for the peoples of the land who bring wares or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we will forego the crops the seventh year and the exaction of every debt we also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our Lord, our God. Um, so they just made a commitment to do all the commandments. Did they make some more commitments here? Does any of this stuff represent sacrifice? Does any of this personal commitment that they seem to be making here represent a cost, maybe some persecution? Do you think going against... Uh, the peoples of the land challenging their practices in the way they do business. You think there might have been some persecution that would go along with a commitment such as that? Yeah. But did they make it? Do you think they followed through? <clears throat> and what do you think that they possessed as a result as in the way of a sense of community, faithfulness, and humility together in God's service. So these are the things I kind of want us to think about. What lessons were learned by the generation of God's people in Nehemiah's time? What kinds of obstacles did the people overcome and how? Was there outside persecution? Was there la laziness on the inside? What all kind of problems did they have to deal with? Do you remember what the Nehemiah chapter 9 was all about? Was there any turmoil that took place in their lives personally as a result of their commitment? Go back and read it if you don't remember. Did hard work, determination, and study eventually eliminate sin and apostasy in their generation? I need to see some heads going like that because we know the answer, don't we? So when we do all of these things, what's supposed to maintain our enthusiasm? How are we supposed to stay at a high level in that right there? Is it your expectation that I'm going to do this perfectly? Is it my expectation that you're going to do this perfectly? Or does it come really down simply to a 110% effort? Right? You know, one of the things that uh, me and Carrie worked out, you know, is uh, I'm going to know you're working and you're going to know I'm working, that the effort is there and, you know, there's not going to be perfection in it, but... Uh, I'm going to love you because you're trying and you're going to love me because I'm trying. I mean, you know, that, how do those relationships work? When I look and I know you're trying, right? 
Was Nehemiah 9 about them being perfect or them being blameless because they were dealing with it? So, hard work, determination, and study did not eventually eliminate sin and apostasy in their generation. It did not. So what lessons can we learn as we consider this book? So, you know, I would say, I would encourage you with all of these kind of thoughts in mind, it's not some terrible long book. Go read the book. Think about it. Think about it in these terms, and I think you'll get some stuff out of it. So there's a couple things that I alluded to that uh, Carrie and I have been talking about a little bit recently. And I think it relates very good to this. I'm going to just share these verses and think about these things. So building up. So we want to build up this group, right? Building up. By wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. So, you know, we just talked about or tried to answer this question, does, you know, the hard work, determination, and study make it perfect? Eh. But, you know, wisdom and understanding establish the house, right? It's a foundation. So, why, you know, that's why we study together. That's why we want to know what the book says. We want to know what the instructions are. Psalms 127, verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Can we do a lot of hard work uh, with determination, with goals and purposes and work that's not uh, built in the foundation that God set for us? Can we do that? Do people do that? Do they do good works but not according uh, to God's instruction? Sure. All right. So the other side of this, and there was a lot more verses with regard... Oh, you all notice my Traco picture up here. I, you know, I've been working on Traco, and I was looking for images, and I saw this one, you know, that's tearing down right there. And I can tell you, one person with one of these can do a lot of tearing down. What about one person in a group with a... Uh, destructive words. More powerful than a giant excavator, right? <laughs> it can really mess things up. So Proverbs 14.1, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Um, <clears throat> who's ever heard of somebody trash-talking their spouse? Behind their back or in front of them? Who's ever, anybody ever seen an example of that? Has that ever happened? Y'all know about that? I see some heads nodding. We do know about that. We do that. Uh, I've probably done it. Carrie's shocked, I can tell. So, uh, who's ever heard of somebody talking bad about one of their own class teachers? Anybody ever done that? You ever heard of that? Um, you're, you're in a group of fellow workers. You're in a relationship as a family with people here. So how do we make that work? Now, if you've got something bad to say, is there a remedy? 
or you got something tough to say to somebody, is there a remedy for that? Is there a way to do that that's prescribed? There is a way to do that. Is that usually how it goes now? <laughs> we hope so, right? <clears throat> Jeremiah twenty two thirteen. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who uses his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him his wages. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there was a whole lot of verses I could have picked and I could have done several more slides talking about this idea of how we destroy our own house, how we tear down our own group, how we destroy our own families. Uh, but we know how those things are and we know what they look like and we know what the foundation of doing it right is, right? So... Today's lesson hadn't really been anything about what it takes to be a Christian as far as what you need to do to become one. But it's been a lot about, you know, what we should do as a family of believers together uh, to build one another up and to do the work that we've been given to do. Um, You know, we typically have an invitation where we would say, if you uh, know what you need to do to be saved, we would invite you to come do that. But also, if you find yourself short and you need the prayers of the saints here, you need some encouragement, uh, there needs to be some confession, um, we also invite you to do that at this time while we stand and sing the song that's been selected, number 436.